Hi, I'm Chelsea, the Christian Nutritionist. Welcome to the Christian Health Club podcast. We are here to fire you up in spirit, mind, and body so that you can get out into the world and be everything God created you to be. Welcome to the club. Here we go. Hello, my friend. Welcome back to the club. How are you today? It is a solo episode today, just me. Um, We've had some great guests on here in the last few weeks. I hope you've enjoyed them. But today I want to tell you about what I've been working on these last few months. I have a new program that we're going to do in May called 10 Times Stronger. And so I have been in deep research and thought and writing and experimentation some trial and error and prayer over these last few months as I've been putting it together. And I want to start by telling you the impetus, um, what that was for me wanting to do this. So last fall, um, I turned 47. I think I mentioned this a couple podcasts ago when I talked to Dr. Cook on hormones. But when I turned 47 in the fall, it was like all of a sudden, I just noticed that my arms were waving back at me. Like all of a sudden I have bat wings. What's going on here? You know, that underarm skin that just seems flappier than it used to be. And then I realized that actually my whole body felt flappier than it used to be. Just kind of loose and collapsed. You know what I mean? (laughs) And I was like, oh, great. Here we go. Welcome to middle age, sister. Now, I'm not totally surprised that I've lost some muscle tone because I've been really hit and miss with strength training over these last few years. If you, um, if you're in this, the Christian Health Club, you know, I've struggled with this, you know, because I'll I'll set this goal, and then we'll do it for a little while. And then I kind of fall off. And I don't know, it's kind of gone in fits and starts. I haven't been very consistent. And the thing is, I used to be really consistent about it. And so I was been trying to figure out what happened here. Like, why um, am I not doing it anymore? And I think I've pinpointed it to about the time that all my kids started school full time. When they were little, I used to build strength training sets into my day. We um, we had this playground down the street right by our house and nobody ever went to it and so i'd take the kids there and while they were playing i would do lunges around the perimeter of the play area and i'd do push-ups against the climbing wall and i'd do dips on the park bench i mean it was perfect they were playing and i was getting my workout in it was just i like that efficiency you know and even at home you know if they were playing in the backyard or in the front yard or even if they were playing in the living room you know i'd do squats and lunges up and down the hallway just wherever i was corralling my my little birds, you know, I could get in a workout. I have, you know, long given up the I have to go to the gym mentality because when I first left Houston and moved to the ranch about 23 years ago, there was no gym. And I mean, we lived, you know, the ranch is not near town. So even if there was a gym, I wouldn't have driven into town to go to the gym. But anyway, you know, when I moved, I, I was kind of actually freaked out by the fact that I didn't have a gym to go to because I'd always belonged to one or had access to a gym for as long as I could remember. 
And when I left Houston, my best friend took over my gym membership. I transferred it to her so I wouldn't have to pay any penalties for canceling. And I just remember thinking, okay, you enjoy that. Enjoy getting all skinny here with my gym membership. I'll just be out, out here getting fat in the country. Because, uh, y'all, I was in my early 20s. What can I say? But anyway, I was really worried about how I was going to work out when I moved to the ranch. And my husband was like, um hello, there's miles and miles of roads and trails. You can walk or ride a bike. You know, I've got workout equipment in the barn. You can help me do ranch work. There is no shortage of things for you to do to get exercise here, okay? And, you know, it was just a mind shift for me because I was like, you know, I don't have a stair step machine or a treadmill or, or a leg press or a cardio class, you know? Um, but that's when I started walking outside every day and just absolutely fell in love with it. And I've been doing it ever since. And um, Brian did end up welding me a squat rack. Um, well, he did it for both of us, but really he did it for me. And I just think that's true love. I mean, who needs flowers when your man can weld a squat rack for you? So I used the squat rack and I'd use that and I'd do lunges around the barn and lift some weights he had in there. I mean, I found my fitness and it was fine. And, you know, when we had kids, it was fine too. I'd push them in the stroller or around the ranch or when we moved into town, all over town. I just, those stroller years are just some of my favorite. And then I do the playground workouts and sometimes I'd get on kicks. I might do a workout video or a hit video. Um, but, you know, mostly I stuck to my freestyle and workouts and just fitting them in alongside the kids, you know, when they were playing and stuff. We actually do have a, a fitness center in Sonora now, and I hear it's really great, you know, but after all these years, it just doesn't appeal to me at all. I love my home workouts. However, I'm not doing my home workouts. <laughs> I've been in this rut for several years. Um, and like I said, I really think I pinpointed my demise starting about the time that Blair, who's my youngest, started school full time, you know, and then I didn't have kids at home anymore. I didn't have that regular playground and backyard time in my day. And so those workouts just kind of slipped away. And also, you know, during this time is when I started my work as a nutritionist. I got my NTP certification when the kids were still pretty little. Blair was about nine months old when I started NTA. And so um, I was also gradually building my work life and figuring out, you know, how to do this thing God was calling me to do. So this was also an, a new block of time that I was trying to negotiate. And so when the kids were all finally in school, the thing that suffered and fell by the wayside were my strength training workouts. Um, you know, as you know, I'm still an avid outdoor walker. You know, it has been my steady form of exercise for over 20 years now. It is by far one of the most, if not the most favorite things I do for myself, one of the most enjoyable times of my day. And to know that I'm getting the added benefit of the morning sunlight in my eyes to set the my circadian rhythm and help regulate my cortisol and melatonin. I just there's just so much goodness wrapped up in my walks and I adore them. Um, and it's a good way to get that low intensity functional exercise, you know, where we're moving our body, but not necessarily stressing it you know, but it takes me a good hour, actually a little bit more than an hour because I have my little route that I walk around town and it's just under four miles. And, you know, so by the time I do that and I get home, I mean, mama got to get to work because that clock is ticking. Um, you know, even though it's a, a nice chunk of time in the day when the kids are at school, I mean, I blink 
and it's like it's time to go get them and you know start playing uber all you work at home mamas know what i'm talking about it's like you blink and it's already 3 30. so um and i gotta go start picking them up so you know i guess when i'm what i'm getting to here and looking at it is that the true challenge or obstacle for me is just is time you know and fitting it back into my routine, making it a habit, all that, all that good stuff. And it, it doesn't help that I see all these people on social media posting their workouts. And it's like, today is arm and back day. And today is leg day. And today is ab day. And I'm just like, I ain't got time for all these workouts and all these days, you know, but, but I have these bat wings <laughs> and this loosey goosey body situation going on. And so I know I have to do something. I have to tell y'all something funny. I told my husband about the bat wings and he didn't hear me correctly. He's like, oh, babe, you don't have, <laughs> you don't have fat wings. <laughs> he thought I said fat wings instead of bat wings and we died laughing. So anyway, sometimes we call them fat wings instead of bat wings. But anyway, regardless of what we call them, I got to do something about it because if I don't, it's only going to get worse, you know, over my whole body. Here's the thing. What most people don't realize is that we start losing muscle mass in our mid-30s. And as we age, we move into more of a, a catabolic state, which means the state of things breaking down. And I know all of you are hearing me are like raising your hand like, yeah, girl, I'm breaking down, all right. So um, cat catabolism is breaking down. Anabolism is building up. That's the building up part of our metabolism. And the catabolism is the breaking down part of our metabolism. And our bodies are always in a constant fluctuation of building up and breaking down. That is normal. When we're younger, we're more prone to the anabolic state, the building up, you know, especially as we're growing, um, we're just really easily tapped into that anabolic state. But as we age, which sadly, I guess it's considered starting in our 30s, we're more prone to that catabolic state, the breaking down. And in fact, we start to become anabolic resistant as we age, meaning it's harder for our bodies to engage in the anabolic process of building up, in particular, maintaining and building muscle and utilizing our food, especially protein, which is what builds our muscles toward that anabolic, that building up process we're breaking more than we're building. And a major part of that is losing muscle tissue and bone density. You know, when you see an elderly person, and it seems like they're wasting away, that's the culmination of this process. You know, they have osteoporosis and sarcopenia, which is the loss of bone density and skeletal muscle. And that is often, I mean, I hate to kind of put it this way, but like the nail in the coffin, if you know, you, you hear that the start of the demise of an elderly person is when they break a hip or break a bone and they have to go in the hospital. And quite often, I mean, not always, but often it's a downhill process from there because their body just isn't strong enough. It doesn't have the strength, the bones, the skeletal muscle to support them anymore. So muscle is known as the organ of longevity. The more muscle you have as you age, the longer and healthier and more vibrantly and more independently you will live and the better quality of life you'll have. You know, when we think about modern medicine, it's great that it can extend our life. You know, we can live longer, but that doesn't, that doesn't assure us a quality of life. You can be alive, but immobile. You can be alive, but incoherent. You know, is that any way? Are you really living? 
When your muscle goes, your mobility goes. And listen, y'all, your metabolism goes. Because muscle is our highest metabolic asset. The more muscle you have, the more efficiently your body uses energy. Some of you like to call it calories. (laughs) And you know I don't. Um, But specifically, fat and carbohydrates, because that is energy. That's what our body uses for energy. Muscle plays a huge role in how you metabolize carbohydrates and fat. That's one reason that men can eat more carbs and lose weight more easily because they have more muscle tissue than women do. You know, I have um, wife and husband teams that do feast to fast and the husband will drop weight like a hot potato, but it will take the wife longer. You know, she's like, oh, I'm so happy for you, honey. (laughs) But really she's frustrated and she gets there, you know, just slower. Um, But so much of that is due to muscle mass. So as we age and lose muscle, our metabolism loses efficiency or you might say it slows down, and we can end up storing more energy, more calories than we used to. Add in hormonal changes, which also make us less efficient at managing carbs and fats. You know, as women age, we move into menopause, and we make a weaker, less potent estrogen that affects our glucose regulation, can make us a little less carbohydrate tolerant. And it's this double whammy of muscle loss and hormonal changes that make us wake up one day and look at our body and think, um, what just happened here? You know, because all the things that used to work just fine or that you could get away with don't quite fly anymore. You may be doing what you've always done, eating the way you always have, but the loss of muscle that's happening is changing the way your metabolism works. And unless you actively work to counteract that, you know, it's a direct route to that possible weight gain, bone loss, and diminished health. And so the key to actively counteracting that is to increase lean body mass, which mostly means increasing your skeletal muscle. So lean body mass is the entire weight of your body minus the fat. It includes your muscle, the weight of your muscle, your organs, your skin, your bones, and body water. Because, you know, the weight of our organs and skin and bones don't change all that much, although our bones, you know, can lose some density, you know, it does decrease over time. Um, We really have the most daily influence over muscle mass and water. And just something to say about water um, and something to note and think about is that 79% of muscle tissue is water. So we really do need to make sure we have sufficient water intake. Um, But on the flip side of that, what's interesting is that carbohydrates make us hold on to water, which can make us look puffy, you know, can increase blood pressure and keep extra weight on, you know, think of the word carbohydrate. Um, And so if we're overeating carbs, we're going to retain water. And that's why when you go on a lower carb diet, the first thing that you lose is that extra water weight, you know, goes pretty quickly. Okay, so a better body composition, which is something, you know, a lot of us are looking for, actually means more lean mass and less fat mass. And the thing is, is that scale, the scale is not a great indicator of that ratio. Some people can look thin, but have too much fat mass compared to lean body mass, you know, or muscle really is kind of what we're talking about here. Um, And so we call that skinny fat. You know, they might look thin. Uh, They are thin, but they have a lot of, they have more fat mass than is healthy. And so it can be deceiving, you know, and you can even have two people who weigh the same, but look totally different. 
if they have more fat mass than lean mass, they're going to look bigger and bulkier. Fat and muscle weigh the same. You know, I don't know, there's this, you kind of hear some people say, oh, you know, muscle weighs more than fat. That's why you're gaining weight. No, no. Um, You know, a pound is a pound. Um, But the thing is, muscle takes up less space in the body. Okay, fat is kind of more of a blobby mass and muscle is more tight and lean. So even if they weigh the same, one can make you look bigger than the other. I hope that makes sense. So you can have, you know, two people that weigh 175 pounds and one can look fat and one can look lean. And it's all about their fat mass versus their lean mass. Okay. And then, you know, there are those who are obviously overweight and have too much fat mass in ratio to lean mass. So that's what we're talking about, you know, when we're talking about body composition. And you know, what's interesting is that Dr. Gabrielle Lyon, who is a champion of what she calls muscle centric medicine, says that people who are overweight, it's not so much about them being over fat, as it is about them being under muscled. Because they don't have the metabolic prowess of someone who has a better muscle mass profile. So she points out that, you know, we're all focusing too much on the fat, on fat tissue, which is really just evidence that someone doesn't have enough muscle. More muscle equals a more efficient metabolism. And so the focus should be building it through protein and strength training. And a little side note here, she says it is criminal for doctors and health professionals to recommend less protein. And we're talking about animal protein here, which is needed to build muscle and maintain strong bones. We're gonna talk about the protein part in another episode. But one thing that I love about Dr. Lyon is that her background, she has a background in geriatrics. And what really set her on this path is seeing so many elder, elderly patients, like sitting by the bedside of these elderly patients and just watching them die, do these, these kind of side effects of sarcopenia, like maybe landing in the hospital and never being able to get out, or just having a very low quality of life in their senior years because they're just wasting away um, because of sarcopenia and just not having enough muscle mass to support them. So she's got a really good sense about all of this, and I have really um, just she's like a mentor that she doesn't even know it but she's been a big inspiration a lot of the things I've learned from her in creating this 10 times stronger program um, that I have been working on okay so all of that said and the reason that um, I've been doing this and and you know anytime I a lot of these things that I, I make and I do and I study I'll start because I am having an issue with it right and I figure if I'm having the issue that maybe you are too <laughs> So I thought, okay, I'm going to do this and figure it out for me. And then I'm going to, then I'm going to figure out and we can all do it together. Um, and, and, but anyway, all of that said, you know, my why, my reason and my need to fit in this strength training. I mean, it is like, it's time. Like it feels bigger now. Like I've got to do this, you know, seeing the bat wings or the fat wings that, that will, that will do it to you. Or that was just the, the motivating factor, but really it's so much bigger than that. So as I was thinking about, okay, how am I going to go about this? I remembered this concept called the minimum effective dose that I read about years ago in Tim Ferriss's book, The 4-Hour Body. Obviously, I was looking for some time management help, you know, minimum effective dose, 4-Hour Body. Like, how can I um, go about this in the most time efficient way? Um, But as I was thinking about this, I... I think I did read it about six years ago, which was right around the time that Blair went to kindergarten. But what the minimum effective dose is, 
it is the smallest dose needed to get a result. In other words, what is the least amount I can do and still get good results? Because that, y'all, that is speaking my language. You know, how can I get the biggest return on my time investment? How can I do the least amount of exercise and still build the muscle I need for a good metabolism and good long-term health? It turns out you don't have to do that much. So with minimum effective dose, the classic analogy that's often used to explain it is that of boiling water, okay? Water has to reach a temperature of 212 degrees Fahrenheit to boil. It is not more boiled if it's 250 or 300 degrees. Boiled is boiled, and it only has to reach 212 degrees for that to happen. That's the minimum effective dose. Anything beyond that, a higher temperature is unnecessary. So when the when it comes to strength training, the idea is we need to take our muscle to the boil. I mean, we need to set it on fire because that is the trigger that makes it grow. But we don't need to overboil them. Anything beyond the minimum effective dose at best is a waste of our resources like time and energy. But at worst, it risks injury and can set you back in the long term. By the same token, underboiling doesn't get us there either. A simmer is not a boil. Moderate exercise, while helpful and beneficial, doesn't challenge our muscles, doesn't stimulate them to grow enough. You know, our, our muscles get efficient at doing moderate exercise. You got to really push them, like till your arms are wobbly and your legs are shaky. And that's when you know your muscle has gotten the message that it needs to work. It needs to repair and build to get to the next level of strength as your new norm. Your muscles need a reason to adapt. And it's when your muscle is so taxed that it thinks it's going to die. <laughs> That's when it's like, oh, no, I better step it up if I'm going to survive. This is like a very primal instinct baked into our DNA. Our ancestors' lives were so much more physically challenging than ours are today. You know, if they didn't have the strength to hunt and gather or kill or grow or harvest their food or cut firewood or carry water or lift stones to build their homes, I mean, they weren't going to make it. You know, if their muscles didn't work, they didn't survive. They had to grow and adapt and be strong enough to live up to the daily challenge of living. Now, we don't have to worry about that like our ancestors did. But the same mechanisms apply, you know, for our muscles. They need to be challenged. So how do we do this? Well, essentially, we have to let our muscles fail before they grow. It's when we're at our absolute weakest and our strength, when our strength has completely failed and there is no more in us, that is when our muscles become strong. There is a strategy called train to fail or single set to failure, which means you do one set of super hard exercises. You work your muscle at their max intensity. You give it this, you know, laser focused stimulus so hard you think you're going to die. And then you back off and let the muscle go to work repairing and building. Because muscle building actually happens during the rest part, not, not during the actual exercise. Essentially, when you're exercising, you're making little micro tears in your muscle. Um, and it's the days following the workout that the muscle repairs and builds itself. That's why it's better to give it one big wallop of a workout one to two times a week and then sit back and let the magic happen. For example... One of the exercises that I chose for my 10 times stronger set is a push-up. 
In fact, it's what gave me the inspiration for the name 10 Times Stronger because I want to be able to do 10 big girl push-ups. And by big girl push-up, I just mean a regular old full push-up because I've always done them on my knees uh, because frankly, full push-ups are hard. <laughs> Hello, that is the point. Um, it's just funny. I've realized so much through this process, I've realized that a lot of the strength training I've done over the years has been more about checking off the box. Like I've done my strength training, check, more than about actually gaining strength. I mean, I, I guess I, I, I was wanting to make them stronger, but I don't know that I really challenged myself to increase strength. Does that make sense? I mean, you always hear guys, you know, like bodybuilders and guys are always talking about making lean gains, yo. <laughs> you know, like the whole point of their workout is to become stronger and put on muscle. And for me, it's always been like, okay, I'm going to do lunges around the playground and check, I'm done. Or I'm going to go complete this workout video and check, I'm done. You know, was I ever really working to become stronger? I might do 50 squats or 20 knee push-ups based on some arbitrary number I set for myself, or maybe I saw it in some kind of list, you know, like that's what I should do. But is that the dose or the intensity that's effective for me to actually make meaningful muscle? You know, sure, cranking out 20 knee push-ups makes me feel more accomplished than only doing four big girl push-ups, because y'all, that's all I could do when I started. <laughs> actually, it was more like three and a half. I mean, I could not... I could barely, I don't know if you could count it like on that last half getting up. But, you know, if we're looking at it, which set was actually making me stronger? 20 knee push-ups that I, you know, could do fairly, I wouldn't say easily, but I could get through them. Or, you know, three and a half where I thought I was going to die. One is moderately working my muscles and the other makes me feel like I'm going to die. You know, it's that simmer versus the boil. And part of what makes the train to fail strategy so effective is that you you have to do the exercise super slow. I I promise you, it is much harder to do a big girl push-up when you lower yourself slowly and raise yourself slowly. So part of what we're doing in 10 times stronger when we do our exercises is a five-five cadence. So five seconds down, five seconds up, you know, for whatever exercise you're doing. The thing is that going too fast uses momentum instead of muscle, um, but going slow engages more of your muscle fibers. And girl, you can feel it. So what we do is once you pick your set of exercises, I've put together 10 basic exercises that work multiple muscles at once, and you can pick anywhere from four to 10 of them. You know, I was like, oh, I'll probably, oh, I think I'll do eight. <laughs> no, ma'am, that's not how it worked out. Um, I ended up starting with four because that's all I could handle at this intense strategy. And because I haven't been doing much, you know, with any regularity. So I chose four. I chose push-ups, squats, rows, and lunges. You got to do at least two arm and at least two leg. Um, and so you do one set of each of those. And that's it. You're done. So once I finished my four push-ups, I went on to do one set of squats, and then one set of rows, and then one set of lunges, and then collapse on the floor. Um, but, you know, it's different than what a lot of us are used to, like doing lots of repetitions and doing like or three or four sets of the same, um, you know, you do your set three or four times. Um, and one another thing that is different is that we we set a limit of 20 reps in your single set. So like, if you can do 20 
squats pretty easily. You know, if I could do those knee, 20 knee pushups pretty easily at that five up and five down cadence, um, then you, you need to make it harder by adding weight or, or make, or just changing the exercise um, to make it more difficult. So we don't want to be able to do 20 easily. So like with my squats, I could do eight. Um, and I did them with a 30 pound weight, you know, going really slow with good form, which is important so you don't hurt yourself. Um, but eight was all I could do, you know, with that 30 pound weight. And, and then I was done. Now I've, um, I've progressed. If I progress, like I said, to, to get to 20, then I'm going to have to up the ante, right? I'm going to have to add more weight or, or do um, the squat maybe in a different format, just make it more challenging. I hope that all makes sense. But the great thing with all of this is that it doesn't take very long. I mean, you're resting for a minute or two in between each exercise. So a lot of the time spent in the workout is rest, which is nice. The actual workout part is, is minimal, you know, minimum effective dose. It's a very minimalist approach to exercise. And I really like that since one of my greatest obstacles is time. Um, and there's just, you know, there's no excuse when it only takes 10 to 15 minutes, you know, maybe 20 um, at, at most if you're doing more exercises in your set. And we do this twice a week. So we're talking, you know, 30-ish minutes a week total for your strength training. Actually, one of the books that I read called Body by Science uh, by Dr. Doug McGuff, his version is 12 minutes a week because you only do one workout a week. And he's got what he calls his big five exercises, which are five exercises that he recommends doing, but they're all done on machines at the gym. That's a really good book, by the way. It's very super nerdy. It's a it's a really super nerdy resource, but you can also um, just, you know, go to Google or wherever and search the big five and you can see what exercises he's talking about. Um, but I wanted 10 Times Stronger to be able to be done at home or at the gym. Um, so basically what I did when I went down this complete rabbit hole of study, I mean, y'all, hours and hours and hours of reading books and articles and studying specialists and listening to podcasts. You know, I tried to glean and distill and simplify all of the best information on this, um, on the workout part and the dietary part and just synthesize it and put it together in a doable and flexible format for us. You know, especially for us ladies, I mean, if you go in and search women and minimum effective dose, you don't get that much. It's mostly geared toward men. But it's been a lot to wrap my head around um, just doing the exercise in this different way. You know, this this heart more, less is more, harder is better, you know, really challenge your muscle kind of approach. I mean, I'm all for it, but um, it's just different, right? Um, but do you know what really just kind of clinched it for me and really made me want to give it a try? As I was reading and learning and just kind of thinking about this train to fail process, the single set to failure, um, 2 Corinthians 12 verses 9 and 10 popped into my head, which says, he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness, for when I am weak, then I am strong. And I was like, ah, oh, it made so much sense to me. You know, our muscles are like our faith. They grow from weakness. It's only when we can't do one more rep, when we've pushed our muscle to its weakest point, that it is stimulated to grow. The power is made perfect in weakness. And that's how our faith grows too. 
You know, we're human, we fail, but giving our personal weaknesses over to the Lord is a stimulus for spiritual growth. It's admitting that we can't do it all on our own. It's acknowledging him as our greatest source of power, and it's allowing him to do a great work in our lives because when we are weak, he is strong. And so I love this idea now. Now I love it. I love this idea of our weakness being an opportunity to grow physically and spiritually. And so as we do this program together, we are going to lean into the Lord as we try to make these lean gains in our muscle. And we're going to use his word and rely on his strength to see us through. We will, of course, you know, have our daily scripture focus which keeps us anchored in the Lord and also keeps us anchored in our true purpose of what we're doing here. You know, this we're talking, I always, even though we're talking about a lot of physical things, you know, as we work on our health, I never want anybody to lose sight of, of why we do it, why we do this. You know, and our true purpose of what we're doing here is to become a stronger body and the body of Christ. Our highest health goal is always to be an excellent vessel of the Holy Spirit, you know, keeping our bodies healthy so that we can get out and do the work we're called to do in this world for as long as we live, for as long as we have this gift of life. I mean, I want to be strong in my body when I'm old, as I age, so that I continue to do the kingdom work I'm called to do. You know, sure, I'd love to get rid of the fat wings. <laughs> um, but really noticing them is just the, what created awareness about this, that, you know, that my body is going to break down more quickly if I don't take an active role in building it up. And food is a huge part of that. And exercise is a huge part of that. Both the lower intensity exercise, you know, that I already do and get through walking, but I've got to add, um, I had to add this higher intensity of challenging my muscle. And oh, I think what's kind of cool of this about all this too is like the great thing is, is like, I'm not afraid to fail. It's like so liberating, so freeing um, that it's the point to fail. I'm not embarrassed that I could barely do four push-ups. You know, I accomplished more in those four than I was doing in 20 knee push-ups. And hey, there's nothing wrong with knee push-ups. That may be where you are. That might be challenging enough for you at this point. And that's okay, because this is all about finding your minimum effective dose. And so even if you already have a workout regimen that you love or is working out for you, you don't necessarily want to change it and you're wondering you know, if this applies to you, or if maybe you'd want to do 10 times stronger, um, I would say that you could join us and use the month, this month that we're going to do it as a way to just kind of zero in and focus on your awareness about increasing your strength. Are you increasing it? And how, what can you do to, to tweak that and zero that in? And also increasing your awareness about your greatest source of strength, who is the Lord and leaning into him more in your times of weakness, not only, you know, physically, but emotionally, spiritually, in all the ways. And so I have decided to open up this program to anyone who wants to join. You know, normally um, I reserve these things for my Christian Health Club members. Um, but because I am not going to be teaching Feast of Fast until August, I've had a lot of people asking and, and wanting to you know, to get in one of my programs and, and people want to get involved and learn and put these, you know, these practices into action. And also, I know a lot of us are extra motivated at this time of the year as we're moving into spring and summer to, you know, shape up and and work out and, and um, get fit and all that good stuff. So I am going to um, open it up 
um, for anybody who wants to join and we're going to do it together in May. Registration will open mid-April. So, you know, we are still in the middle of, um, we're still doing Feast of Fast and we'll be wrapping it up on Easter Day, glorious Easter Day. And then we will be moving into 10 Times Stronger um, in May. So I can't wait. Make sure you're on my Sunday send out list so that you can get the updates and registration link emailed to you when it opens. Okay. Yay, my friends. I hope that you're inspired and excited and a little more educated on why muscle is so important for good long-term health, which includes our metabolism and our bone strength and our mobility, our overall body composition. You know, muscle is our most productive and protective tissue. And so it's, you know, one of the best, if not the best forms of health insurance in which we should invest, right? We really need to to take the time to do this. And so um, I look forward to doing that together with you and maybe thinking about it, be getting ready um, to, um, to join us when we do that. Okay, my friends, I hope you have a healthy and blessed week. And I will talk to you soon. Remember that my mom is an awesome nutritionist, but she's not a doctor. The information in this podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Always talk to your doctor before making changes to your nutrition or exercise program. Thanks for listening. Have a healthy and blessed week.